Welcome to Saving UX. I'm your host, Jeremy Kriegel. Every episode, I talk to UX veterans about the challenges facing our practice and what we can do to make it better. Before we get to the second half of my conversation with Elizabeth Rosenzweig, the Director and President of the Board for World Usability Day, Principal at Bubble Mountain Consulting, Adjunct Faculty at Brandeis University, and the author of Successful User Experience, Strategies and Roadmaps, I wanted to share a bit with you. This is episode 20, which feels like a bit of a milestone. When I first started recording Saving UX, I didn't know how far it would go or if people would connect with it. The feedback I've gotten so far is that you find it really helpful. That makes me really happy and gives me the motivation to keep doing this. This week, the podcast was also featured in the article 18 Must Subscribe UX Design Podcast for 2021 on BuiltIn.com. I consider that a huge honor for such a young podcast and wanted to say a big thank you to all the guests who have volunteered their time and shared their insights. I started this podcast to be of service to our practice. If you find it helpful, share it with someone. If you have a question or comment, the place to go is the Shuffle app for iOS and Android. It's one place where everyone can engage together. Who knows, maybe the episode's guests will pop in and reply. You can get the app at getshuffle.app slash savingux. You'll find that link and more on the show notes page at sucks.live. That's S-U-X for savingux.live. So if you missed part one, go back and catch that. You can watch it on YouTube or listen on most podcast platforms or do both at sucks.live. And now the rest of my conversation with Elizabeth Rosenzweig. Elizabeth, let me jump in here because you know you did mention you are a consultant, so you get to work with a lot of different organizations. So is there anything that you can share about conversations you've had or clients you've worked with where you've been able to move them in this direction? And, and how did you approach that that made you more successful? Or what was it about that organization that you looked for that you said, okay, these folks are more likely to get on board and, I, and, and, and move them? Or are you choosing your clients by who's already there and limiting your, you know, your, your, yourself that way? I'm just going to, for other folks who are trying to make this progress, what, what can you say to help them? Excellent. So, I mean, what I'm noticing is, you know, at this point, um, I think that as a consultant, people know who I am. And so I think it's turning into a, more of a self-selection uh, of, you know, who also reaches out to me. Um, I had one client once tell me, oh, yeah, I know your brand is designed for good. That is a website I have designed for good. <laughs> so so uh, design research for good, design research for good. But, but either way, so that's fine, right? Um, but, you know, uh, what I notice is extremely large corporations like uh, financial systems, for example. And I know lots of people, including my brother, uh, who work, you know, in large financial organizations. And a lot of them are actually, uh, you know, they have, they have programs inside their companies to attract people, right? So uh, some of them during the, you know, the summer of 2020, when there was a lot of civil rights unrest, they were doing all sorts of um, Black Lives Matter discussions and LGBTQ discussions. And, you know, I know someone in one of those companies who was saying, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to work. There's so many seminars I want to go to, or and I'm only, you know, you know and I thought, oh, that's great. Like I was, I was a little surprised um, and I've worked with a lot of these large financial companies, but I think they have the resources. And then it really depends on who's leading that company. So I'm not going to say any names, but like, it really is about that. But at the far extreme, we have the startups that I work with who are scrappier and they, 
and they can't always um, devote like seminars. But then I look around and I see, oh, um, like this little Zoom meeting is much more diverse. <laughs> There's not everyone is just white or not everyone's just a man or not everyone's just one category. Um but that's it. Then there's no discussion with them because they're real busy. Startups, you know, they, they got like, got to get moving all the time. So so then I start to think, well, you have to meet these groups where they are. And, and my experience, surprisingly, not surprisingly, is so academia is a place where you can see a little more exploration. And it's because they have to sort of back to Earth Day and you know, these revolutions that come by students, usually it's the students. And I don't mean just undergrads, you know, it's like students, general category. And so, so in places um, where there's sometimes like labs that do consulting, those are the sweet spot, but there's like not many of those. And, and a lot of them are incredibly specific where, you know, like even during the pandemic, there were lots of universities that have biology labs and chemistry labs, and they just started building testing facilities and, and all of that, right? And so then that became the priority, not whatever other little <laughs> social action we're trying to do uh, in the development of technology. So again, um, the pandemic has really uh, thrown a cog in the works, as we say, and we're not out of the woods with that, obviously. Um, and so it's hard to say where it's going to go. But what I've noticed as just to, those giant, giant, mostly financial Sometimes publishing companies, uh, those have been the two uh, medical, medical sometimes, medical devices or occasionally the insurance companies. Um, and actually, for a while, I did some great work with Medicare.gov, which was the Center for um, Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, which was a big surprise. You would never have thought a government agency like CMS <laughs> would think about the person first because their budgets have been slashed. But on the other hand, I think it's because it is uh, health and human resources. There's a human in the title there. And so they've been looking at it, but they're, they're rare. So it's usually large global mm -hmm. companies that are, you know, publishing, finance. Those are the biggest I've seen as a consultant doing these things. You, you, there's a phrase you mentioned there that I want to go back to because it's one that resonates with me very strongly. You're talking about working with startups, though I think it often applies more broadly than that. And you said you need to meet them where you, where they are. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you mean by that? And maybe what are the, either maybe the shortcuts you're willing to take if someone's not where you want them to be? And how do you think maybe about moving that type of organization that isn't, you know, maybe is less mature in their understanding of usability to a place of, of higher maturity? That's such a good question. And so for that, I have to put my psychology hat on um, because, uh, which is really the root of all, I just want to call it now design research, UX design research, whatever word. <laughs> because that, the, the principles of, of any sort of user-centered design is to try and understand the person. And that's really psychology at the end of the day. So if I applied those exact principles to this, to my stakeholders, right? So that's, and that's a chapter in my book, getting stakeholder buy-in and, 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 and it is, uh, you know, the idea is this, right? Let's say I'm thinking about my stakeholder as a persona. What do I know about them? Maybe nothing or maybe a lot. And let's go into that, okay? So, uh, and, and why is that important? Again, another piece of psychology. Um, 
and it comes out of uh, behavioral medicine. Uh, but the whole sense, and you see this in some addiction, 12-step uh, programs, the only thing we can control is ourselves. We love to think we control everything. In fact, many of us devote our lives to trying to control other people, other things, the weather, <laughs> everything, right? But at the end of the day, the only thing you can control is you. And even then, that's a heavy lift. A lot of us can't control our emotions, our reactions, our impulses to eat or exercise or not. And so if we break it down from a psychological point of view and think all I can control is myself, I find that liberating and also discouraging and difficult, right? And mostly difficult because it's not that easy always to control ourselves. <laughs> so even if I started with that, and I think about my stakeholder in an organization as a persona, then I realize just like any good study of research I might do, I can't change their feeling or their experience. I can just change how I approach them. So it's almost like I think about it as it's a little Buddhist also. Like I have to center myself and I have to control my impulses and, 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 and listen, right. And it's hard. Cause I've had interviews, I would say as, as recently as last week, or, you know, or I might be watching. So let's say I'm not moderating a test and I'm supervising a test. I'm watching. And the participant says something that I, it's so far from my worldview. Let's say it. Don't think it is even scientific. <laughs> let's say I'll just, but I can't say anything, right. I'm interviewed or I'm listening. Right. So I have to I have to actually take my emotions and my feelings out because maybe I want to scream when I'm listening to them talk, actually. But that is irrelevant, and I need to deal with that on my own. <laughs> and I have to just hear what they're saying so that I know how to respond, so that I know how to build a product that'll work for them, even though I think whatever triggering reaction I have to them. So it's the same thing with the stakeholders. So I'm going to go meet them where they are by trying to understand where they are. So I will try to have a conversation. And often as a consultant, my first question to my clients, which always surprises them is, how do you define success for this project? It's really sometimes they've never actually thought of that question. But to me, it's not just because I want them to think I'm earnest in helping them. I actually want to know because sometimes people have it in their mind of how they think this is going to be successful. And they just assume you can read their mind. <laughs> In no case is that true. So I'm going to ask questions. I'm just going to ask as many questions as I can that are objective, try to stay biases out. And then once I understand where they're coming from, like, you know, maybe there's a startup that does mean well and wants to, you know, sell something, but it'll actually help, you know, people, you know, who, who are obese, maybe it'll help them start moving a little or make, you know what I mean? And it's, it is meaning well, but they also have their, you know, their own stakeholders that they have to deal with. And so I can think about, okay, you got to release in two weeks. What's let's go short-term, long-term let's do strategy, which of course is all what my book is about, but meeting someone where they are, that's the key. So there's a lot there. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned being able to center yourself and what I've seen in a lot of folks, I've certainly experienced it as well, is, you know, a lot of people join this practice to make a difference. And you get excited about understanding people and how fascinating that is and the impact you can have by creating products that are inclusive, that you know, are accessible, that, that meet people's needs and make their lives better. And then people join companies and it's like, 
okay, I need, to, I need a little design tomorrow for this little thing over here. But I, but I want to understand the problem. No, 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 we don't have time for that. I want you to do this. Little. And I think there's like, people have been beaten down by that. And I think it's then, it can be hard to kind of maintain that openness and curiosity necessary for, for what you just described. And I agree with the approach. But as you said, I think given what a lot of folks have experienced, it's a challenge to, to get into that space. Such a good question. And again, it makes me think of a broader problem, which is that, um, you know, many of us feel isolated in various ways. And with the pandemic, it's even worse, right? And so what helps isolated people is to connect with other people like yourselves. And so that does bring me back to World Usability Day, because as professional organizations, the idea is to create a community. And, And I've actually seen it one nice thing about the pandemic is I've seen lots and lots of local organizations like local SIGCHI or UXPA or CX or whatever other area uh, have these local meetups online. And now now more and more are doing, there's all sorts of outside places you can meet or some countries are back to meeting inside. But having the social uh, aspect of it in a community, and I know like, for example, UXPA Boston, uh, obviously I'm in Boston, so I, I, I um, you know, am connected to them in, in a lot of ways. But what I love about the meetings is that they always start the meetings. And I remember this way back when we were in person, too, where they'd say, is anyone here looking for a job? And you could raise your hand. And then they would say, keep your hand up. OK, every hiring manager out there, go talk to one of these people, you know, and then they and then they say, all hiring managers explain your job, you know, and so that like right away makes people feel connected. But then once they start working or once they start having these issues, you know, like I'm actually on a few Slack channels now where people are talking to each other about all their issues. And if you're not on Slack, there's LinkedIn groups and there's so much social media out there that actually can help us connect and ask each other questions and um, I even started recently teaching asynchronous online as opposed to all the other forms of teaching. And there's a whole bunch of groups out there to help with that. And that's, that's, that, that also makes me feel uh, a little better. So I know I'm not starting out in my career. I've obviously been doing it for a while. But what I remember helping and why I keep doing it and encouraging people is to reach out in these professional organizations because a lot of people find really good friends there. They find people to like process these questions and then they don't feel so alone because one thing I noticed and, and I've noticed it a lot during the pandemic is the more I go out and connect and whether in the pandemic it was online or now I'll go have a walk with someone or go to some outside or whatever, I feel more energized. I, I think what is making it hard when you're, you know, at the beginning is the, say, a feeling of loneliness or anxiety or depression that comes from that. And then that's a cycle that you cannot, you cannot break those cycles by yourself. I just don't think it's possible. So to get to a Zen state, uh, I don't think, unless you're, you know, a monk living in a monastery, I don't think you can do it on your own. I think you need other people. And so I think that's sort of the sort of the, I guess my short answer to the, <laughs> to the long, summing up the long oh, yeah. answer. No, I, I hear you. And in fact, it's one of the reasons I, I started this this podcast is at the beginning of the pandemic, I had offered on LinkedIn to do some free coaching if people had been laid off or, or whatever else. Right. And the response was tremendous because I thought it'd be a handful of people maybe from my network, but that message got forwarded and forwarded ended up with like 75,000 views or something. I, and I had a huge- I'm pretty sure I forwarded it to the World Usability Day <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> 
I mean, I talked to over a hundred people from all over the world. And one of these things I kept hearing over and over again was how much people were struggling and kind of like what you, the story you, you shared at the beginning about usability testing, they kind of thought it was just them. I said, no, no, it's like, it's hard everywhere. I've been at a lot of places. It's hard at most of them. So part of this was, let's be honest about the challenge. It's not just all like, let's, let's just talk about making it great. It's, it's, it sucks. Uh, It's hard in a lot of places. It's, it's, I mean, well, I think it's what drew me to the field in the first place. Uh, The psychology piece. And, And that's what you're talking about at a certain level. That's the, I'm calling it psychology, but it's really the human piece at the core, right? Because when I think about our field, I like to, uh, you know, people like, let's say in the, in my family who are not at all technical, they're into whatever they're into. You know, I, I say, well, it's a combination of design psychology and engineering. And they're like, oh, I get that. I get that. Oh, that's great. You know, because it is. But to me, the psychology is where the human piece comes in. And it's, it's probably the most important piece. So, yeah. So connecting is, is, that's where I get my energy. I, I just me yeah. and introvert, extrovert aside, I, I like that, you know, that is a, that is, I think everyone at some point benefits from connecting to other people in whatever way works for them. <laughs> oh, great. Is there any bit of advice that you tend to offer to folks who are, you know, maybe just starting out or younger in their UX usability career? Yeah, and it's a great question because, you know, I have a lot of graduate students. Oh, and soon I'll have undergraduates as well. But um, so one thing, because I think about where I was then, and of course the field was just starting out, but it's still where I was then is is similar. Um, Like in a lot of cases, I was the only woman in the room, you know, so I I do remember feeling isolated in those ways. Uh, And and I know this might sound really corny, but what I realized is is that... um, I, I had developed a strong intuition based on my education and my experiences about what worked and what didn't. And I, early in my career, I had, I didn't have the confidence in my intuition. Uh, and, and so I encourage anyone who is just coming up in any way, shape or form to try not to lose that connection with your inner voice, your intuition. What I learned over time though, is, is that you know, your intuition may be telling you something's off, but it may not always have the details right. And that's where like being older helps because then you can think, okay, so I spent 10 years not letting go of my intuition, but it turns out some of my details maybe were wrong, but that doesn't mean everything about it was wrong. It means like, it doesn't mean I have to lose confidence in myself. What I need to do is keep doing the same process I do with UX, do it to myself. So I thought it was a good idea to change the world through this thing, but uh, World Usability Day, but it you know, didn't quite play out that way. Oh, look, people are using it for professional development. Oh, that's nice. Not what I thought it would do. Not about me. It's okay. I had an instinct to make people connect. And if I remember that, which I have recently, which is why I feel more confident, I think, then I know, okay, so I am just doing data collection on everything while I'm designing. So data collection is back to the young person coming up. I have an instinct and something's wrong. That's your hypothesis. And your data collection is to see, is it because I talk loud? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because money is the priority? And then figure out, so, you know, you're sort of refining and iterating on this intuition based on the data you get. So don't lose confidence in 
Don't ever let anyone tell you your experience isn't real. Your sense of what's right and wrong isn't real. Don't let anyone tell you that. But don't be so quick to jump on someone with those the details. Count to 10. Think about what else is happening. Um, I mean, it's funny because I was talking recently. I just started a new class at Brandeis, and I was talking to the students, and uh, one of them asked me, I thought, such a brilliant question. I, I always say, what do you want to get out of the class? And so she said, what do you want me to get out of the class? And I was like, oh, yes. I didn't even start and you're already there, you know? And so I said, confidence in your skills. And that's sort of what I'm saying is build up your skills, build up your skills, build up your faith in yourself. And the UX skills can take you anywhere to do anything. Because if you think of everything as a hypothesis question, who's your personas? What do you know? And then what do they need? You'll be, go back to meeting them where they are. Um, but I think it's easy when you're young and starting out to lose confidence in yourself. Um, and, you know, that's the hardest thing is to keep keep feeling, especially when you feel isolated, right? Feeling like I'm on the right track, I'm doing the right thing. Um, and so, you know, that's why I also encourage you to think about the big picture, the long haul. It's harder when you're young. I remember thinking, you know, who cares about like 10, 15 years down the line or, or the past, right? But actually, everything is data. So <laughs> you could think about it that way. So just don't lose confidence in yourself. You do know a lot of things. Don't let anyone tell you you don't. Um, but get the details right, too. That's, the, that's my advice to them. I think that's great advice. Um, and, and certainly for um, people not demographically like me, because I think I had the opposite problem when I was young. Um, <laughs> Because, well, one, I'm a six foot tall white dude with a reasonably deep voice with theater experience. So I could get up in front of a room and sound really confident, Absolutely. even if I wasn't entirely sure. And I really got rewarded for that. Right. Um, right. I remember a call I had with a manager and I was on a, uh, a, a terrible project that was going south fast. And I was trying to, as best I could, lay out the scenario and what was going on, and I think what needed to be done. And in my head, I think I'm lost and I'm struggling. And however I communicate it, she said to me, well, it sounds like you got the situation well in hand. And I thought, it does? Because I don't feel that way, but I didn't feel like I could say otherwise at that point. But usually that was, it wasn't the case. People just took me seriously and I have had to learn to kind of step it back. Um, that's profound that's, again, and thank you for sharing that because you are correct. Uh, and I have three adult sons and I tell them that all the time, please never forget you're a white man. <laughs> and I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's true. So any white man that sounds confident there, they're confident. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Okay. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining. If people want to find out more or hear about what you're up to, what are the good places to find you online? Excellent question. So, uh, I do have a, um, my, my consulting is uh, Bubble Mountain Consulting, and that's just at, you know, bubblemountain.com. Um, but if you want to see my work, you can go to designresearchforgood.org. It's long, but designresearchforgood.org. Or everything about World Usability Day is at worldusabilityday.org. Um, and we have a newsletter you can sign up for if you're not already on it. Um, and then you can hear about everything we do. And we also have a channel on YouTube. Um, and groups on LinkedIn and Facebook for World Usability Day. So all That's of great. those places. Yep. So we will put links to all of those in the show notes, which will be at sucks.live. That's S-U-X dot live for Saving UX. 
There you'll also be able to find past episodes, sign up for newsletters, but be sure to subscribe so you catch all these conversations that we've had. Again, Elizabeth, thank you much, so much for joining me. We'll make sure that we get as many people to sign that petition as possible. Thank um, again, really appreciate you sharing your experience and your insights with us. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And I love socks, even though the name at first made me wonder what it was, but I think we should all save UX. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it for this week. Uh, this has been Saving UX. I'm Jeremy Kriegel. Take care and see you next time.